0: Welcome to Permaculture Tonight. I have Kai Sawyer on today. We're going to be talking to him about Zone Zero. We're going to be talking about Japanese permaculture, meditation, nonviolent communication, and about how we need to reach everyone with permaculture. But first, we need people to be able to be ready to be reached. And well, let's end anyway. Let's get into it. You know, I like to like be kind of improvisational, so we, uh, we talk in general, right? So, I was watching your TED talk, and I was really kind of touched by how you're touching a fertile area that is kind of untouched in permaculture in America. And your talk doesn't really harp on permaculture, it doesn't even come out of the gates using that word. It kind of touches on the inspiration for your talk, mm-hmm. and I feel like that Costa Rican experience was permaculture. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like that's not the point of your talk, which I thought I thought was pretty beautiful, and I think that most people miss that. They're like, well, oh, if I just get all this stuff together and I just make this site, it's going to make me. Mm-hmm. But it's really like, well, if you're going to go, to, if you can actually do all that work and get through that process, you need to work on yourself first. Almost, I don't know. No. It seemed it seemed like you you were touching an area that I have not seen any other permaculturists publicly touch. Yeah. Well, I mean.
1: For me, I don't really have a strong attachment to permaculture. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what's the most beautiful way to live. And permaculture has been a huge inspiration. Um, And so, you know, I had an opportunity to talk about something. I was thinking, well, I could talk about permaculture, but, you know, other amazing people like Jeff Lawton are talking about it. And and just kind of like living in Tokyo post-Fukushima and then thinking about, you know, what was... What would be the most meaningful thing to tell people because like if I'm telling people in Tokyo they have no kind of orientation toward nature anymore you know nature is kind of like a pet or a weed and and so like for me like really the heart of what I'd like people to know is is how to practice stopping because when you can stop and breathe and kind of connect to your humanity that you have a body it's an ecosystem that you know when we get busy we start to forget about taking care of ourselves taking care of our family taking care of the earth Um, you know it causes problems like Fukushima like climate change it's all these things sustainable development I mean it's like we can't stop developing we can't stop doing stuff and until we learn how to stop and breathe and, and just be in the present moment and observe what's going on, that I don't think the fundamental change is gonna happen. And so for me, it's really an invitation for everybody, including people who get it, you know, mm-hmm. who, who feel like they're on the path to integrate like, pauses as much as possible in their lives. Um, and that's really what permaculture is about. I mean, it's like observation and, you know, Fukuoka Masanobu, the natural farmer, he's been a huge inspiration to Bill Mollison and David Holmgren and lots of permaculture and sustainability folks. And like, he was, all, he was really about like just observing and how do we get what we need without, and, and do that by doing as little as possible.
0: Do you feel like that's an Eastern uh, concept? Because I feel like in the Western world, we don't think that way. I read a book called In Praise of Shadows. Mm. Do you know that book? No. Well, it talks about how um, light and architecture and um, shape Mm -hmm. in a Western concept, it's busy. Mm -hmm. It's overly geometric, Mm. and it has no concept of where the light pattern Mm -hmm. plays throughout the day. Yeah. And, they, and, and their usage of light to light up structures, their usage of simplicity mm-hmm. to capture feeling. Yeah, um, I think that's part of a part of what feng yeah. shui is about too.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think, um, like, for me, like, Buddha is probably the oldest person who I I've heard of that you know talked really about slowing down and stopping and connecting to the present moment and i don't think it doesn't exist like i mm-hmm. think you know like just being in nature you stop if you're not busy and you're living on a land-based lifestyle then you see something beautiful or you see something cure that makes you curious and you stop you pause and you check it out you know yeah and we all have an inherent ability to be curious which i think is amazing you know to to have that curiosity to know that you don't know but you want to know and and so i don't i don't know if it's a cultural thing but you know i mean now any any city that you go to i mean it's about how much you can pack in in a small amount of time And this is also kind of interesting with permaculture because some people who are practicing permaculture are very much coming from a development model. Like they're there to develop land and produce as much and organic farming is the same way. But so it's like the same production
0: oriented cultural model without even taking a pause to think about what that means. Yeah. Because scale-wise, and, there's there's a limit. Yeah. Permaculture can't scale yeah. because things shouldn't scale yeah. you know, to yeah, a certain degree. Yeah, totally. I mean,
1: sh- things should scale in a way that's appropriate with the life that you want to live and the environment that you're in. And that's where observation comes in. And it's not like you observe once, you design your site, and then boom, you have the product. It's, it's a constant process of you observe, you interact, you observe, you interact. Um, and to observe, you need to pause. You need to like first check in with yourself to see what filters you're putting on reality. And then once you figure out, oh, you know, like I'm really concerned about money right now. And that's what's driving my design. I'm trying to figure out how to produce enough money to pay my loan so that I can have a, you know, I can have security. But that, that energy is going to drive your design, which is going to drive your life. And so, you know, you can meet people who do permaculture who are, you know, the, the site drives them, not them, you know, actually enjoying their site. And so for me, this is like, it's so easy for us to get into how much are we producing? You know, how much are we accomplishing? And that's, that's the sort of the cultural roots that I think drive a lot of, of, the things that are really destroying our earth and our lives and these good things that are happening you know people with good intentions trying to protect the environment trying to like do social justice work but they're not they don't have time to enjoy their actual work they don't have time to enjoy their lives and sometimes they don't actually see the damage that's caused When they fixate on something, you know, usually a singular, singular issue. And, um, and it's, it's, there's not a lot of resilience because it's a, you're just, you're, you're, you're you're basically on your edge. And if anything in your family relationship or like a funder suddenly pulls out or, you know, any kind of thing happens, the whole kind of project falls apart. And so, you know, like slow is beautiful and I think yeah slow is beautiful because it's strong it 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 kind of gradually develops and um sort of a post uh Fukuoka um natural farmer that's uh been like super essential in Japan his name is Kawaguchi Yoshikazu okay and he uh you know he would he really talks about putting too much nutrients in the soil and that's definitely dangerous so he both talks about not having enough nutrients which mm-hmm. is a common thing around agriculture all over the world and then he also talks about too much nutrients even organic farming so mm-hmm. he he encourages people not to use compost cuz he's mimicking forest cycles right and forests you don't add compost to the forest it just circulates and so you know your initial intervention you might put some fertility in the soil right. But after a while, because you're not really taking anything out, and you know, the idea is you cycle it within your property, um, that the nutrients just circulate. Is he dro- chopping and dropping in place? He's mainly chopping and
0: dropping, and you know. But is he chopping re- chop and dropping? Weeding, right? He, you don't weed, you you, you chop the weeds, but you don't pull the roots out. Totally. And like, the thing is, it's like uh, Jeff Lawton's course, they're like, Mm -hmm. well, there's a time and season, right, to chop and drop when uh, evaporation doesn't exceed precipitation. Mm -hmm. But in my area, it's always dry. Yeah. And there's like a small window where it's kind of wet, but Mm -hmm. it's always dry. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, I don't even want to touch the soil. And so I just, I don't even, I don't remove weeds. I literally just behead them before the the Mm -hmm. seeds form. It works really, really well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it helps develop the soil structure. But the reason I I was mentioning that was because he would talk, because he, I saw him growing corn in one bed and then in another bed growing beans. And because, you know, I'm coming from a California permaculture thing, I was like, well, you know, in permaculture, three sisters, you know, like, duh. And so I was telling him about that. And then he was like, no, I intentionally separate them because I don't want to have too much nitrogen in the soil that the corn cells will grow faster. Um... And they won't be as strong to be able to protect themselves from the bugs that are a huge concern in Japan, particularly because we have super hot and humid summers. So we just have so much biological activity um, in the summers. And, you know, the challenge is, you know, how do the plants not be decimated by bugs, fungus and bacteria? Um and so for him it was all about not having nutrients and letting things grow slowly but strong. Yeah. And seed I think wise you're gonna make better seed. I anyway. think I think that's a really it's just an important reminder, you know, like speed is all relative. But
0: to just have an intention to slow down, and you know, I think that that concept is not in the Australian permaculture as much. No, you we accelerate, accelerate it in, succession in Holzer, and you see it and especially with Fukuoka, mm-hmm. because they're using seeds. Mm-hmm. They're not transplanting. They're not using plastic. And I mean, yeah, oh, SEPs using machines, yeah. you know, but almost everything is it's outdoors. Mm-hmm. They're throwing, they're throwing the seeds, you know. I've actually done that on most of my property and it's way more effective than any other form of agriculture. No. Um, it limits your options. Mm-hmm. You can't do everything, but it makes it just powerful mm-hmm. and fast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's it's interesting just to, you know, like, I think one of the most, the least developed areas of permaculture is um, the cultural part. You know, and I think everyone
0: has this. I think it's scariest, though. It's it's, the,
1: yeah, because there wasn't a lot, like, for instance, in the permaculture designer's manual. There's, like, very
0: little, and it's kind of like, well, there's all this cool stuff happening. People use it almost as a threat. They're like, oh, chapter 14. Yeah. Oh, well, you should check out chapter yeah. 14. And it's like, yeah, we've checked out chapter 14. It's confusing. Yeah. And it doesn't have real-world examples. Yeah. And for me... Theory. For me, like... You know, being active in
1: different movements and seeing permaculture sites. I just see that that's sort of the downfall of permaculture, is not being able to develop. Or the opportunity. And the opportunity, exactly. And so that's why in Tokyo, that's where I'm focusing on. But it's really about if we can't get human relationships to be healthy, if we can't like transcend conflict in ways that actually strengthen relationships, then the environment really doesn't matter. Because that's not our problem we can't build a healthy relationship (laughs) with other species until we can actually work with our own species absolutely and and that's really for me like what i'm trying to encourage people to get more um involved in is is to understand how culture works how these invisible structures some of them which are the foundation of our permaculture projects like a capitalist system like you know our culture about you know more is better Mm -hmm. you know more production more abundance you know and i'm not against abundance but but i want to question the
0: energy that brings abundance to your site or into your life and then there's also the idea that like yeah you can make a ton of tomatoes but Mm -hmm. then if you make if you go slower Mm -hmm. you can make less tomatoes that are more nutritious yeah And perhaps the more nutritious food, because it taxes your system less Mm -hmm. to consume that amount of nutrition, it's better. Yeah.
1: So, so really, yeah, it's about, you know, keeping things in a scale that's healthy for you and and reminding yourself that we grew up in a damaged culture. And you can't just suddenly be like, okay, I learned a perm- I learned permaculture, I you learned meditation. You know, you can suddenly switch your life. Like, I've been to places in Latin America, beautiful sites, but they brought their problems with them. And so they're, they're basically enslaved in their minds because they brought that culture of oppression and exploitation and more, more, more. And, you know, whoever does more is better than... Uh, there is whoever knows more, whoever has more money, mm-hmm. and it totally turns into a
0: domination, permaculture, like prison. Have you heard of the term Wetiko? No. Okay. So there's this idea that there's this mental, there's a mental disease that, mm-hmm. especially Westerners, uh, like it was identified by Native Americans as this problem that we had when we came over. They said that you don't have, we, you cannot satisfy your thirst for things, and you want more than you can actually ever use. Mm-hmm which is insane. And in their culture and all traditional cultures, those people were killed. Because mm. they're like, wait, wait, you want everyone's land in our community? Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone, I think we got you know, And they would just, people like that didn't survive. Yeah. Because it didn't make any sense, and survival yeah, yeah. for the community couldn't yeah. would, would, take that. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're, we're, we're fighting these demons that are really, really deeply intertwined in our society. Mm-hmm and permaculture is in my opinion is the solution that we all need to do a lot of uh, to fix a lot of problems but it's like you say until we can actually unstop the ears mm-hmm. the words won't go in yeah and it doesn't matter if they're drowning mm-hmm. you know they're not going to grab that life vest if they don't yeah. recognize it's a life vest
1: yeah or some people won't recognize they're drowning until they're dead yeah and that's I think what's happening is that culturally you know, yeah, we we're are. just we're just we live in such a small bubble each of us in our own sort of story that we've created and that story is what we call reality and so we we do everything based on the story that we've developed and that story is developed through The culture that we grew up in and the media and the education and that culture is very capitalist minded and very patriarchal. And, you know, it's it's important to be aware of that and just to see those seeds in your own mind. And so for me, it's like very much, you know, if you're into gardening, you can really like put a lot of your energy into gardening your mind because you have a lot of like pretty intensely invasive thorny species that are growing and it's running your life and until you like redesign those things and they're not bad they're just like a way to like you know yeah just compost it and turn it into nutrients and feed the seeds of like you know wholesomeness of like compassion of love and and get to a state where you know you live with no enemies There's no enemies, there's just people doing their best in whatever position and context they're in. And a lot of us are just trying to heal and don't know how to do that. And so, you know, as we start to be more aware of like our own consciousness, and this is huge, it's like really, really focusing on consciousness because everything outside is a manifestation of our consciousness, that's how I see it. And um, I, I would love for people to be really, you know, curious about that, like consciousness, and how does that connect to permaculture, because it's really a consciousness. And the techniques only really serve deeply when you have a consciousness. And, and I've been sort of starting to experiment with the gift ecology, or some people call it the mm-hmm. gift economy, but that's also consciousness. It's not like, okay, so how do you just give and then run your business? Because that's not the consciousness. The the consciousness is about, you know, like, how do I want to live every moment of my life? How do I serve in this time? Mm. And what's the best that I can do in every moment? And sometimes you have shitty moments and you're not able to serve as well as you would like to. And you can just own it and accept it and be like, this is where I'm at right now. But I have this flame in my heart and I really want to serve. And then how do I serve? And maybe it's... Just, you know, secluding yourself and growing an amazing uh, permaculture site. Maybe it's, like, working with prison populations. Maybe it's trying to, like, get to the Wall Street bankers and being like, Hey, guys, you know, like, you guys are into abundance. I'm into abundance. (laughs) And I got some really good food. And, like, just try it because I see you guys are totally stressed out, you know, and you have these giant operations. And... You know I mean just think I think
0: we would be stressed out too if you were gambling all that
1: money on a computer program and and for (laughs) a lot of people and this is like Wall Street bankers and ordinary Joes we sometimes feel that if we stop we're gonna lose everything it's this fear that as soon as we stop doing what we do everything unravels yeah and it's it's not true but it's a scary thought
0: I mean, isn't that like uh, what America is? I mean, it's like the, the it's exactly what we keep saying about almost every single form of business that we want to like curtail or control or like it's the expander die. It's the same exact argument we use yeah. with yeah. slavery, yeah. which is crazy. But yeah. it's but it's like we need one percent growth in our population mm-hmm. every year. Is why? You know. So it, it, one of the things I was kind of turning over, maybe a final thought is mm-hmm. Japan. In a lot of ways, in America, the perception is it's the future. So if the future is an urban world uh, where our uh, dislocation from nature is, is such that we think of them as weeds or a pet plant or something mm-hmm. like that, which I do believe that it is that way for people in New York and L.A., yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you really are at the cutting edge of the entire movement because you are going to the most apathetic, the most distance, the most dislocated, and trying to connect with them. Are you going to be coming out with an uh, American uh, version of your book? Um maybe if I have people to help me. I mean okay. for me it's all it's all
1: just experiments. Mm-hmm. I just keep doing experiments and this book was an experiment to see you know I have no money and I told people I didn't want to write the book. So I just invited people who were excited to write the book for me. Wow. And then it was just a series of connecting people who have skills and interest and keeping them motivated. Yeah. And 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 being alright with the unknown like you know I wanted a book but I didn't have many attachments and I just kind of you know nourished the seed and 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 then slowly you know some people were in the project and left some people came later you know there's just like all kinds of like it's really dynamic it's like growing a garden yeah and what's beautiful is that there was never like a real money problem it was just kinda like a series of opportunities to come up with creative solutions and just it just happened. And so, you know, thirty people wrote and compiled the book. I just talked and which is all I really wanted to do was just talk and if people made something amazing out of that, that would be great. You know, it's like really really knowing what I want to uh-huh. contribute and then keeping an invitation
0: and for, empowering everyone you encounter. Yeah, or they empowered themselves. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know really who. Well, I think that's I think that's what empowerment is. Mm-hmm. It's not when you actually physically are like, here's the gun. Now you're empowered with guns. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like w- literally you show them a path and they take that path mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It, oh, yeah. it,
1: it and it, we it walk it together. Way. Yeah. And that for me that's for me like really showing them like I don't really know how this is going to work. But I'm super curious, and I'm excited to do it. And if anybody's interested, then let's go walk on this path. Yeah. And and so anyways, so 30 people compiled the book. Then we were like, oh, we got an amazing book. We have no money to publish it. And then some people were like, chanting crowdfunding. And I'd never done crowdfunding. But I was like, okay, well, you know, if you guys are into it, let's do it. And then, but nobody was into it. And then so I just kind of like told people, hey, we're thinking about crowdfunding, but we have nobody who's into it but we have an amazing book, and then three people joined in to crowdfund, and then raised, uh, I think, $23,000 Holy cow. But what's more beautiful is, so 30 people compiled the book, 371 people funded the crowdfunding. So it was a book made by 400 people, and there's not a lot of books out there where 400 people collaborated to make it happen. And so the content itself, I think, is amazing, but the actual, the way it was made is super amazing because here, here's just an idea and then it turns into something super beautiful. I mean, the illustrate it's like a glorified zine, basically. And it was just, it was 400 people who came together to make a beautiful book, which now has spread to thousands of people. And it's really affecting them and it has super radical ideas, but because it's presented in such a mainstream, beautiful Mm -hmm. way, I mean, I talk about the gift economy, which is like totally anti-capitalist. You know, and Japan is a super capitalist country right now, and I talk about um, meditation and Japanese are pretty, it's kind of ironic, but Japanese are pretty anti-meditation because of some cult terrorist attacks that had happened in the 90s. And so when you talk about meditation, people kind of are just like, oh, I'm not interested in religion. Um, but I, I talk about, like, guerrilla meditation flash mobs in the yeah, middle of yeah. Tokyo, um, which for them is kind of like they can't put it in any kind of box because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, meditation is supposed to happen in temples with cult leaders yeah, and, or, oh. or, or, or guys with sticks whack you. I mean, that's their image because they're so disconnected from the culture. Right. And here's some guy with an afro sitting, you know, in the middle of the fashion youth fashion district and just meditating for 30 minutes and then a bunch of people gather together and we're meditating and that's it. Like we have no signs, no donation, anything. It's just like a bowl, ring the bowl, sit and stop and mm. it invites people to stop because it's 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 unusual it's something that's extraordinary it's an invitation it's, it's an, an invitation you're not trying to get something from them yeah. you're
0: simply inviting
1: and them. when they stop it's an opportunity for them to connect to the present moment and just kind of reflect a little bit on their life and on the reality that surrounds us and you know and i'm hoping that a few of them will start to be like you know what maybe i'm interested in meditation maybe i need to slow down a little bit yeah you know and that's for me the most deepest entry point into permaculture nonviolent communication all this stuff is Mm. just slowing down observing and connecting to your breath and when you connect to your breath you know you're part of the ecology because air is produced from the oceans and from the forests and and it's like when I tell that to people who are in urban environments so disconnected from nature they get it because they're like oh yeah I breathe every moment and it keeps me alive and that air is actually produced by nature and then the co2 that I breathe out cultivates you know the natural environment too so like we're that's that's Every the interbeing gardens. part and once you once you actually get to the consciousness of interbeing then permaculture makes sense right away then nonviolent communication makes sense right away then you know like living with ahimsa and satyagraha like all that stuff like what gandhi taught all that it just it's common sense because we're not separate Mm-mm. and and that's i think if that level of consciousness doesn't exist then i would say permaculture is trivial you know i mean the science is is amazing and and what it does but but it's it's really the culture the consciousness that drives us and that helps us put put meaning into the realities that we live and So I I just I'm always going back to, you know, and I learned this in California, it's like the zone zero zero It's like really that's the zone that everything starts, Mm -hmm. you know, because the environment doesn't need people. It just exists and it has always existed, you know, we need it, you know, and when we need it, we start to, you know, interact with it and depending on what's in our consciousness how we interact with it is very different so for me it all comes back to just stopping slowing down observing doing less you know and then you know and just having that constant process and and living in a world where it's not about judgment because mm. those are things we make up too like there's no right or wrong if people we agree upon them. if people disappear then people disappear i mean we're it's in permaculture we're we're impermanent everything is impermanent yeah. so when when you live in a reality of impermanence which is what ecosystems are then you realize or I think some people realize that all that really matters is what you're doing in this present moment and how you live your life that's what really comes because you could die tomorrow you could you could have a vision for amazing permaculture village you could raise tons of money and then you die you know and so then what was the whole point the whole point was how did you live your moments and was not
0: nourishing you and other people yeah awesome well thank you so much Kai. Yeah, totally that was great cool that one was an amazing interview with Kai I feel more centered Kai has this ability to really cut through the confusion and and the distractions and connect with people. And that kind of presence is what we need with all of our interactions, whether it's with nature, with people, with our business, that kind of presence of mind and care, people care, right? So I'm so very thankful and I'm totally going to follow his path um, that he took when he came to America And go to those sites and meet those people that he has recommended to me. It's going to be awesome. And I will share those experiences along the way. And I'll interview people as I go. From Permaculture Tonight, have a good week.